Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast today is uh, in celebration of the marriage of Jennifer Ohev Shalom to Jeffrey Chira, sponsored by Sapir and Daniel Ohev Shalom. Breakfast and the class as well is also sponsored in the Rifuah Shalema of Meir Ben Adelia, anonymously. And as well, it is, uh, breakfast is also, and the class is also done today in honor of the upcoming wedding on Wednesday of my uh, daughter Charna to, uh, to Yehoshua. Abba, Alenu Shalom. I want to wish everyone a Chodesh Tov Umivorach. This week's parasha begins, Ele Toldot Noach, these are the generations of Noach. Noach ish tzadik. Noach was a righteous man. Tamim hayabedorotav. He was tamim, he was pure. He was wholesome in his generations. If you open up Rashi, you'll see Rashi quotes the Midrash, which says, Yesh merabotenu dorshim oto leshvach. Some of our rabbis interpreted this word. He was pure, he was holy, he was special, he was wholesome. Bidorotav in his generation. What does that mean? Some, ra- some of our rabbis interpreted this in a positive light. And what did they say? That he was a sadiq in his generation. Which means even in the worst of times when everyone was evil, he still was a shining light. How much more so if we'd been born in a generation which wasn't full of Hitlers, right? The guy would have been a rock star. He would have been even better. So bidorotav, that expression that he was a sadiq in his generation comes to tell you uh, something very positive about him. That if he was in a generation with other righteous people, he would have been even greater. V'yesh dorshim, and some, uh, uh, some, of, uh, some people learn, l'gnai, they learned it as a negative comment. He was a tzaddik b'dorotav in his generation, but not in other generations. In other words, compared to the worst, he was okay. But if you would compare him to another generation, lo leklum, he would not be considered, he would not be counted for anything. Now this Rashi seems to be an academic interpretation of this word, this syntax, Dorotav. He was a Sadiq in his generation. Why are we using that? One opinion says it was positive, one opinion says it was negative, but it seems to be largely an academic interpretation of the word Dorotav. Rabotai, I want to draw to your attention something that happens in the very same chapter. A, a, a mere few Pesukim later. In the Pasuk, just a few Pesukim later, it tells us how Noach is commanded to go into the Teva and to bring the animals into the Teva. And the Torah tells us, the animals that were holy, that were Tahor, he would bring in in, in numbers of seven. Seven of each uh, kosher animal, okay? Pure animal. And then it's referring to the animals that are not, whole, not pure. How would you describe that in Hebrew? You would say, the impure animal. But instead, the Torah says, It doesn't say the word which actually describes the word impure. It says the animal that wasn't a pure animal. So it goes out of its way, seemingly to avoid. And the Gemara says, why did the, the, the Pasuk use this extended terminology? To teach you how far you have to go not to speak negatively. Not to say the animal that was impure, that was Tameh. The question, Rabotai, is how could we, a mere few pisukim, from this careful, incisive language, kind of pirouetting around an improper mo- mode of speech, how could it be that there were Rabbanim that were teaching us that when you saw the word Dorotav, the implication was uh, a, a negative implication? How could you have that? We're careful with the way we speak about animals, but you have r- rabbis that are interpreting 
the Dorotav to be negative about Noach? How could that be? Rabotai, so first thing I want to draw your attention to is actually if you take a close look at Rashi, you'll see Rashi says, Yesh Rabotenu, there are some of our rabbis, Dorshim Shavach, they expounded upon this in a positive way. And the second side says, Yesh Dorshim and some expressed it in a negative way. It doesn't say, Yesh Merabotenu. It's almost as if Rashi is saying the only opinion that we follow is the opinion that chose to speak positively. Those are Rabotenu, our leaders. Those are the opinions and the side and the Weltenschang that we follow. The ones that figured out how to look at it and turn it and twist it and understand it in a negative way, those are not considered Mirabotenu. But I, I want to share something that I think is very powerful because at the end of the day, we're still left with a question. Why? Rashi is not quoting this in the ether. He's not saying it in a vacuum. There are some rabbis that said it this way, and there are some no goodniks in the shuk. I saw some guy drinking a limonana who said it the other way. Both of them, in fact, the makor for this is the Gemara, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, on page 108. The Gemara brings the pasuk, and it says, Amar Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan teaches it like this. Negatively. Resh Lakish Amar Bedorotav, positively. So you see that the opinion that says negatively was also from our rabbis. It was also Rabbi Yohanan. So how could it be the Gemara itself seems to have both of these things? And the question really is so stark. If you could have learned it either way. In fact, there's a famous derasha like this in the Gemara. The Gemara says, let's say you have a pasuk that you have an opportunity to make a derasha on it. So you could be Doresh like this. Or you could be Doresh like this. The Gemara says, if they both are equal, shikulinhem v'yavo shinehem. We should understand both of them. But that's only when both derashot are equal. Here, you have an opportunity to learn something positive. Or you have an opportunity to learn something negative. Who in their right minds would choose to learn to see something negative? To say something not nice about a great tzaddik like Noah. Rabutai. First, I want to deal with, uh, with this lesson, with this understanding. Because seemingly, we have one side of this machloket that we're leaning towards, that Rashi is calling Rabotenu. And that is the importance of always looking to find something positive in a negative situation. For some people, Rabotai, that is very easy. They are eternal optimists. The sun is always shining. Wherever they go, they only find beracha. And for some people, they are always negative. They're always calculating. They're always cynical. But whether you're the eternal optimist or if you're the eternal uh, cynic, regardless, the Torah demands of us to work on ourselves, to be more positive in our outlook, in the way we see the world, life, business, family, everything. In fact, the Gemara brings a famous exchange between a rabbi and his students. A rabbi and his students are walking and they see the carcass of a dead, uh, a dead dog. Only yesterday I was walking with my children to shul and we saw on the side of the road a dead rat. Ugh. And I remember thinking to myself and I was going to point out how disgusting this dead rat in the street is. Ugh. And I remembered this Gemara. The student said to their rabbi, oh, how disgusting, look at the smell of this dead dog carcass on the street. And the rabbi said, 
How white are its teeth? Now the Gemara is not described, the rabbi is not impervious to the smell. He didn't have COVID. The rabbi also smelled the dog. The rabbi was also aware of the fact that it was a dead dog's carcass. The rabbi was also aware of the fact that the, the, the white teeth on a dead dog are not very valuable. But he was choosing to try and see, he was choosing to communicate to his students that they had made a mistake in the way they assessed it. You know, there's a beautiful Gemara that I want to share with you. The Gemara says uh, that there are two types of orchim, two types of guests. The Gemara Berachot, page Nun Chet, page 58. Oreach Tov Mahu Omer. What does a good guest say? A good guest says, Look at how much the Bala he put himself out for me. Look at Kama Basare He brought me a whole platter of meat. Look, he brought me a bottle of wine. Kama Gluskaot. Look how many rolls he put on the table. All the work that he put into this meal, Lotarach Ela Bishvili, did it all for me. How much debt gratitude do I owe to him? Aval Oreach Ra Mahu Omer. What does an evil guest say? An evil guest says, What effort did the guy put in already? I had one slice of bread, right? I took one piece of the beef of the brisket. I had one cup of the wine. The rest of the brisket he made for himself. The rest of the rolls and the chalot made for himself. The rest of the bottle of wine, who drank it? He drank it. All of the work he did for himself. I was just a guy. I had the last pieces. He was going to throw it out anyway, the guy tells himself. That's the Oreach Ra. Rabotai. And I want to share with you something that is piercing about this Gemara. Piercing. Who's right? The Oreach Ra or the Oreach Tov? The Oreach Ra is right. The Oreach Ra says, I only ate one slice of the bread. I only had one slice of meat. I only had one cup of wine. Is he wrong? Not lying. What did the Balabai do with the rest of the bottle of wine? I don't know. He gave it to his kids. He drank it himself. Him and his wife had a party when I left. Maybe because I left. I don't know. Whatever the reason is. But it's not to do with me. The Oreach Ra is right. But Rabotai, what we're learning over here is even if he's correct in logic, he's incorrect in ethics. Every Oreach needs to see himself as being the complete beneficiary. Because if you saw things positively, you'd recognize it's true that him and his family ate. But you think they make a meal like this every day of the week? It's true. He opened the bottle, gave me one cup. But if if I wasn't here, maybe he wouldn't have opened the bottle for himself. Now that it's opened already, now he's drinking it. So instead of the any way he was gonna, turn the any way he was gonna the other way around. He didn't open it for himself in any way he gave you. He opened it for you in any way he gave to himself. <clears throat> Rabotai, this is a magnificent way of looking at, at, at it. So therefore, Rashi is telling us there's two ways to look at this. Why? The Rabotenu, you know what? The teachers of us, of Am Yisrael, you know how the way we have to follow is the ones that, uh, that, are, that approached it and explained it in a positive light. But if that's the case, Rabotai, we have to heed our own advice because we now are left with a Gemara where the Gemara seems to say that one rabbi seemingly for no reason interpreted it negatively. So he's also one of our rabbis. How do we understand 
the opinion that looked at Noach with a negative slant. So I want to share with you, the Be'er, the Be'er Sheva asked this question on the Gemara. And the answer, Rabotai, is Matok Midevash. You know, our Torah, what is the purpose of our Torah? The purpose of our Torah is, the word Torah itself means instruction. We're supposed to learn from the Torah how to be, how to live, how to exist. The purpose of the Torah is not to relate to you facts. One of my favorite expressions of this is at the end of the Megillah. The end of the Megillah says, Mordechai, the whole story turns around and Mordechai starts becoming famous. Says the Megillah, you want to find out more about what happened with Mordechai and what happened with Esther and Achashverosh? You want to hit the end of the story is the best part, right? That's the part you want to know. That's the punchline. The Megillah says, you know what? Go to the Persian books, to the royal Persian history books, and read the story over there. Our rabbis were communicating to us something so powerful with those lines. Yes, we told you the story of Purim, but the purpose of the story was not to recount the story. The purpose of the story was to teach you a lesson. Once the lesson has been committed, I don't need to finish the story. You want a history lesson? Go get a history book. That's not Megillat Esther. Rabotai, why the rabbis arguing whether Noah was righteous compared to his generation, compared not to his generation, who cares? Are you giving him olam haba? Are you deciding what level Sadiq he was? Says Rabbi Galinsky, a beautiful chidush. He says, it matters if Noah was born in this generation. What is he trying to tell us? You should be born in the right generation? We don't have a power to decide whether we're going to be born into a generation of righteous people or a generation of wicked people, that we should be able to learn from this. So he says something magnificent. It's true we don't have the koach to, be de- to decide if we're going to be born in a righteous time or an evil time, but we have a choice to live in a righteous place or an evil place. We can go and live in a community that has Torah in it. We can make sure that we attach ourselves to a shul, not to the nearest shul, but to the shul that's gonna raise, that's gonna raise my spirituality. A lot of times people, they decide which synagogue to be part of based on convenience. But Rabotai, it's not cash and carry your shul. Your shul is not designated to be Amazon Go. Your synagogue, what's it there for? Your synagogue is there for you to grow. So if you go to a synagogue and all they're doing is talking in shul, chalas, walk another 10 minutes to a synagogue where you get more out of the synagogue. Bezat Hashem, I hope I'm not turning anyone off from coming to this synagogue with these words. I hope that in this synagogue you have found that. Okay? We have someone right over here, Baruch Hashem. We have a live one. Azaka, we got a live one. Okay, another one bites the dust. Okay. Rabotai, are you hearing this? Yeah, so we do have a choice to figure out where do we want to be. So the Gemara brings you both ideas. The idea of what Noah was in a generation where he was amongst people who were wicked. So he had to be the strongest amongst all of them. And there's another opinion that says, what would have happened if Noah would have been surrounded by righteous people? Rabotai, I want to share this with you. You have sometimes a kid who goes to school and you're deciding where, which class to put him in. The gifted class where he'll be the bottom of the class or the regular class where he'll be the top. You have a kid who's right on the edge of the birthday line and you're deciding which class should you skip him up a year 
or down a year? Should he be the youngest in the class with the least experience and the least knowledge? Or should he be the oldest in the class with the most experience? Each one of them has an advantage and each one of them has a disadvantage. Therefore, the Gemara brought you both lessons to teach you that these are two realities. And one needs to figure out, am I going to be stronger because I have to be the man? You know, when you're sitting in the back of the synagogue and you're a nobody, you learned in yeshiva. You're a very special guy. You know what? But you're sitting in the back and you have no responsibility. You don't grow there. There was a, a young man who was a brilliant Torah scholar. And whenever they would call him up to the Torah, he would insist that they didn't call him Harav. They would call him Reb, which is what they call everyone in the synagogue. One day, his rabbi came to pray in that minyan. His rabbi was Rav Shwab, Zechet Tzadik Kadosh Racha. And he heard them call him up Reb. And he says, excuse me, Harav. And the guy's like, no, no, no. And Rav Shwab says, Harav. The guy comes afterwards, he's like, Rabbi, what are you doing? What is it? He says, until they start calling you Harav, you're not going to be the Rav. For some people, for them to shine, they actually need to be thrust into a place where other people are not where they are, and they need to be the dugma. They need to be the leader. They need to be the ones that show. Rav Volbo was once asked a piercing question. You're a rabbi. I have this question before I moved here. My kids are very religious. How many religious kids are there in the neighborhood that keep Shabbat, keep kosher, keep this, keep that, go to a yeshiva? How many are there? Very few. So if you bring up your kids with all religious kids around them, it's easier for them to be religious. How do you take your kids and bring them here where they're the odd one out and the likelihood is that they're going to learn from all the other kids and maybe they're not. You know what Revolba said? Revolba said, that's true. Unless you make them teachers too. If you teach your kids that they also need to show the other kids what Shabbat is like, that they also need to teach the other kids and share with them how to make a beracha, then those kids become mini rabbis. When I grew up in Deal, in my synagogue, there wasn't so many very religious kids. But by the time I was eight years old, I was giving classes in my father's shul. I was running the youth minyan when I was flipping eight. Why? Because there was nobody else. But once that happened, I started to see myself as that kid that had to do that. You understand? So my other friends who grew up maybe in religious neighborhoods where they had access to much more and everything, but they perhaps didn't see themselves in that way. So the, the Gemara is bringing you both modalities. You have other children maybe that are not up to the task of stepping up to that. And when it's a kid like that, then you learn the other lesson, the lesson of Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan teaches you, no, 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 surround yourself with whom? Surround yourself with? You know, Noah was righteous in his generation. If he would have been amongst the righteous people, he would have been a nobody. And you know what I learned in that Gemara? How come Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish are arguing about this? Because it's who they were. Rabbi Yochanan was a Sadiq. He came from a religious family. So he looks at Noach, he sees Dorotav, he says, you know what? He took for granted that one grows up in a religious community. He says, you know why Noach was righteous with Dorotav? Had he been in a righteous generation, he probably wouldn't have been anything. Resh Lakish was a robber. He was a thief. He was a no-goodnik who was plucked off the streets by Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yoch Resh Lakish understood in his bones 
that actually yesh dorshim l'shvach, that if someone grew up in a negative place and he had to fight his yetzahara to become great, then you know what happened to that guy? If you gave him the chance to be around someone like Rabbi Yochanan, then he takes off like a rocket. Each one was speaking from their own personal life experience and they were teaching a, les- a lesson to all of perpetuity. May, may we, maybe we could even say, and with this will end, that they were, dar- they were being doresh to pasuk, not uh, Noach was sadik bedorotav and his generations, but they were teaching us about where we live, in which place we live. And we know in the Torah it doesn't have the, the nikudot so that you could read a word in two different ways. Maybe they were teaching it, not dorotav, but sadik, he was sadik, he was tamim bedirotav, in the place in which he lived, in the areas in which he surrounded himself with. You understand the power of that concept, Rabotai. So each person needs to understand their own power, their own personality, and choose appropriately to be able to bring out the most within themselves. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.